Hello, and welcome back to the Heroic Mama Revolution podcast. My name is Claire. I am a transformation and a life recovery coach for moms ready to take the journey from addict to hero. Today on episode six, we're going to dive into the topic of how to learn how to feel our feelings. In the previous episode five, I began to share the story of my recent miscarriage and loss of my baby. And in that episode, I made the comment rather offhand that I have done a pretty good job over the past few weeks of keeping myself busy and allowing myself to kind of hide away from the pain and the feelings and the grief of of this loss. And this weekend in the past few days since recording that episode has really broken me open a little bit more and brought me to a place where I could really see how I was trying to hide and push down the uncomfortable feelings, the deeply painful emotions that were coming up and recognizing that this is a pattern in my life. And that much of the the pain and the I say stuckness of my life is the fact that these each time something has happened, each time something traumatic or big and painful has happened, and I've allowed myself to enter into this pattern of dealing with it by busyness and distractions and previously through the numbing with alcohol and food and all other kinds of things, right? Um... I never fully dealt with the pain and the grief and all of the emotions that came with with that experience. I shoved them down and shoved them down and shoved them down for my whole life. And something a very wise person has said to me is that we will continue to live out these patterns until we learn the lesson that they came to teach us. And that each time we go through something and we don't learn the lesson that that experience was brought to us to learn, the next time it will hurt a little bit more, a little bit more. And it hurts a little bit more because each experience is even more intense to grab our attention, to really, truly break us open. And it also is more intense because it is not only that experience that we're in processing, but it's all the other previous experiences that we haven't allowed ourselves to fully immerse and heal within. In my therapy session this past week, something I said was that it's, My reactions, my emotions at this moment feel out of proportion to what I've gone through recently. 
And I recognize that this isn't just that I've never really allowed myself to grieve many of the losses of my life. My mother dying young from cancer and the trauma of that in my family and the upheaval of divorce and the and the loss of my baby and there's so many other other moments life is always so full to say that oh there's just these three things or even to have to qualify our emotions and what's my therapist and close friends have reflected back to me is why do I feel the need to qualify? Why do I, my feelings and emotions of, what is the correct proportion? What is it that I feel would be the correct proportion of feeling for this? And You know, I don't have a clear answer, just that what I do feel feels too big. It feels frightening and scary. And at the root, I avoid all emotions outside of this very narrow window because they frighten me. That large emotions either expressed by others or within myself terrify me that particularly anger is difficult for me and so I pretend that I don't experience them that I don't feel them or that if I do feel them I then feel guilty for feeling them what I think that it's important about for us to begin to talk about is To just bring awareness to this, I think that a lot of times I don't share about my experience with feelings and emotions because I feel like I'm the only one. I feel like I look outside of myself and I see others like they do such a great job expressing themselves and they seem perfectly okay with just feeling things and I often just... I'm taken aback and I kind of marvel, especially people that move in and out of the quote-unquote negative emotions that uh, we as humans have created these constructs of positives and negatives, good and bad, but that there are in fact nothing good and bad. All emotions are equal and valuable and necessary. And it's only when we have a story that something is good And so we want more of it and then the other is bad. So we should feel shamed and do what we can to not experience those bad emotions that this angst is created within us. And but what I know is to be true is that I am not the only one who struggles with emotions not just the big emotions, but the everyday emotions. And that when we are challenged with experiencing them within ourselves and we don't feel at peace with the 
the expression of emotions, we aren't able to communicate them to others. And so we end up saying things like, I'm fine. I'm good. Like people will ask you in seasons of grief and challenge, you know, how are you doing? In fact, somebody who I work with at the Phoenix just sent me a message to check in. Hey, how are you doing? And my gut reaction is to say, I'm fine. You know, things are hard, but we're doing okay. But is that the truth? Am I giving myself the gift of being real and honest with myself? And am I allowing others to truly see me in my wholeness when I answer that way? Because if I'm honest and being truthful and real with myself, the answer is I'm not okay. And I have no freaking idea how I'm doing that I don't know how to feel emotions. And yet what this experience has done has broken me open. These emotions are too big to be pushed down. They are too gnarly to hide away and pretend that they don't exist. And so I'm in, it puts me in this place where I feel unsure. What do I say? What do I do? What do I, how do I respond to such simple queries as, how are you doing? I have the story that what would make other people feel comfortable is if I say, I'm fine. That if I truly share with them what is happening inside of me, it will be too big. It will be too messy and it'll be too much to handle and they will no longer want to be in relationship with me. That big emotions strike terror within me because they pull up the fear of abandonment and isolation. When we talk about the importance of motherhood and how the work that we do as mothers is heroic and so incredibly important. It is moments like these that I just have a light bulb go off that floods light through my whole being and says this. Because what I remember from my childhood is that big emotions weren't tolerated. That when myself or one of my siblings had a meltdown, a tantrum, an explosion of a big emotion. We were sent to our rooms until we could manage ourselves. And when we could behave appropriately, then we were invited back to join the family. And that when we came back, we not only were allowed to only come back if we could behave appropriately, but we needed to apologize for the disruption that our emotions caused upon the family unit. What has taken me years of therapy and getting sober to recognize is that, one, my parents love us. They didn't do these things because 
they hated us. They did, they made the decisions that they did. They chose to handle emotions in that way because they too felt that big emotions were too much to handle and they didn't know what to do. That our parents just as ourselves are human beings. And that we live in this world, in this society, in this culture that says big emotions, emotions outside of good and fine, are too much and they need to be shut away and they need to not be expressed. And if you do express them, then that person is emotional and they're irrational and they're unstable. This brings me back to this moment now and the importance of doing this inner work is so that I can be a part of a different way of modeling and leading for my son and the generations that will come after me where we can say emotions aren't bad and you are not too much if you feel them, when you feel them, not if, when. When emotions come up and you express them as you feel Feel you need to express them, you are not too much, and you will always belong. As human beings, we are at our roots part of the beautiful network within Mother Nature. We are ourselves animals. And our animal brains are wired for connection, for belonging. Our physical survival is predicated on our belonging within a tribe. Out there in the wild nature, we need a tribe to survive. So when these seemingly innocuous decisions of timeouts and separation from the family unit occur, it's not, our brain isn't reacting from the 21st century evolvement frontal brain we're reacting from our hind brain our animal brain that says we have been ostracized and therefore our safety is threatened so we wire a story we create neural pathways that make the connection between big emotions and our sense of safety on a physiological level And when this neural pathway, this story is grooved in time after time after time after time, we create an existence, an experience of living where even the thought of a big emotion triggers that fear, that animalistic fear and terror that we feel that our safety is threatened. And so what we do is we create the conditions where we never experience the full emotion. Right now I'm reading a book called Broken Open, How Difficult Times Can Help Us Grow by Elizabeth Lesser. And in this chapter I was reading this morning, She talks about this, about how we as humans, as brilliant and magical humans who are designed to live, which means staying safe, over time create patterns 
and these behaviors that at one time kept us safe, that at one time served a purpose, but now years down the road are keeping us trapped. They're keeping us trapped in this very shallow bubble and it's not allowing us to fully live. And in fact, if we don't learn how to break open and break apart from those patterns and bust through that shallow end into the deepness of our true potential, we eventually die. Our soul dies a little bit more each day and eventually this leads to the manifestation of our physical death as well. I want to read just a quick excerpt from this book. And in this section, Elizabeth is talking about how she leads workshops on healing and using our pain to be the instrument of breaking open and into the deepness and fullness and wholeness of our whole existence. she says, when I first met her, Karen was in her late 20s and just finishing graduate school. She was a resolutely cheerful person, an athlete with an enviable energy and a dazzling smile. She had won several rock climbing competitions, and now she taught swing dancing. Just being around her made me feel dowdy. Something attracted her to my workshops, even though she was one of those students whose eyes glaze over when I talked about going through pain in order to find sustainable joy. I've been beep bopping past pain so far, she said on one class, and I aim to keep on dancing. Yet Karen kept dancing back into my classes, where all I could do was witness her resistance and gently point out that her failed relationships and her complex feelings towards her family and her unhappiness at work would persist until she stopped trying so hard to beep bop past pain. Our avoidance of the pain is just a temporary solution. It gives us this illusion of being safe in this moment. But the pain is always there. And what I recognized in myself in these past few weeks was that I was slipping back into an old pattern of just always being busy, 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 because I was afraid. I was afraid that there'd be a moment of stillness where the pain could break through, break through again. And I didn't know how I would handle it when it did. That even though I had just gone through a labor and delivery of our baby at 18 weeks and my body was still healing, that I had had needed to go back into the hospital again and I was still bleeding and still cramping, I still pushed myself. That even though all of that happened, we hired movers to get the rest of our stuff, my stuff from my old place, to bring it to our new home. 
that even though I had just gone through all of that, I had our entire house cleaned and unpacked and settled. That even though I had just gone through all of that, we still had three square meals cooked from scratch every day. Did laundry every day. Worked in the garden every day. Busy, busy, busy. And to the outside world, that looked good. She's getting back to life. This isn't going to keep her down long, I heard people say. Except for those core few that were close to me and who've been on this journey with me for a while and know my coping mechanisms and could see could see the fractures that I was so desperately holding, grasping to stay closed with all of my might. We have these experiences and they break us open and we have a choice. We can allow ourselves to remain open and to figure out how to handle and how to feel in the new in this new existence. Or we can choose a retreat, we can gather up the pieces that have broken open and frantically shove them back together and hold them together and will them together and say, no, no, no. Feel the fear, feel that tension that you walk through the world with. Losing my baby felt, has felt that it not only broke me open, but that it exploded me open. That it's, the pieces shattered into smithereens. There was no hope of putting anything back together. But this new existence is overwhelming and it is terrifying. And with desperation, I returned to old patterns. But life kept happening. It kept pushing me back to that edge. It kept pushing me and pushing me. And I kept screaming out, why? Why does this have to be so hard? Why can't things just go easy one day? Why another email, another phone call? And it was a few days ago where I felt on that brink again, that tension, my chest just couldn't breathe all day long. I was finally getting towards the end of the day, just a little bit of time left before dinner and bedtime for my son. And so we got out for a walk in our stroller and we're walking and things are going great. Taking a little time, having a little space. And then I'm crouched down next to my son's stroller to talk to him for a minute. And one of the tires just explodes. And I'm not talking to us. It kind of just let the air go. No, it sounded like a firework went off underneath our stroller. And I leaned over to the other side. And quite literally, this 
tire and tube had exploded from the inside, shredding the inner tube, shredding the tire to pieces. It was obliterated. There was going to be no patching of this tire. There was going to be no making it work until we could get home. And it was just like this moment of awareness for me that I can't go on. I can't go on the way that I have in the years up to this point, And I can't go on the way that I have in the past few weeks. I need to learn a different way. And I wish in today's episode I had tools and strategies and a plan for how to feel feelings and to move through feelings, but I don't. In this, I am beginning at the very beginning. And all I know to do and all I know is the first step is to stop being busy. But today my partner was going about his day and he was about to leave for the gym to go for a workout and he says, you know, what are you, what are you doing today? And I say, nothing. I'm resting. I chose to communicate to my community that I'm not doing well and that I need help. And writing that email and creating that meal train subscription was a soul work in and of itself. Breathing through the vulnerability. Knowing that If I am truly going to do this, to create a new way of living, to learn how to feel, it's going to take a radical shift in how I live. And the first step of that is to humble myself, to be vulnerable to my community here, my community here on the podcast, to all the other platforms that I participate on, and to show up as my full and whole self, in which I'm not fine and good. To recognize that when we have gone an entire lifetime without feeling, where we have avoided any such inclination or invitation to feel, where we have pushed it down, where we have numbed it away. will require deep work. And what I've learned in the past through getting sober in this journey was that this deep work isn't simply in our minds. 
it isn't simply in our souls. It's also in our bodies. The physiological healing, the psychological healing, and the spiritual healing. Each are integrated. Each are important and yet alone are not sufficient. And that we live in a world that doesn't value the effort that it takes to create this transformation. When my boyfriend asked me that question, I admit that my first reaction was frustration and resentment. That he would love to see me up doing and being in the world in the way that I have been in the past few weeks because that is what we know and that when he sees me have energy to him that means that I'm feeling good and feeling better and what I have to communicate to him and to myself and continue to hold this boundary is that this work is important and that right now I'm not quite sure what it means and what it looks like But the first step that I need to take is to create space for it. To not fill my schedule with busyness, with chores, with the caretaking of others. And then I can empathize that it doesn't look like much from the outside. It looks like I'm laying down a lot. It looks like I'm resting. It looks like nothing is happening. And this is part of the story that we need to challenge for ourselves is that anything worthwhile leads to something tangible, that it leads to something that we're able to show, whether that's a picture for our Instagram accounts or it's something that we've created and can showcase. But this work, this messy internal work of becoming a whole being in every essence of the world and actualizing our true potential is unknowable. And it is only us within ourselves that can truly experience and feel these shifts that happen. That the world around us and perhaps those that are close to us are saying, what are you doing? We must know within ourselves that what we are doing, choosing presence, choosing space and time to learn for ourselves is important and valuable. And that others may not be able to see it right now. What I can share is that having been through this process of internal transformation several times over the past few years is that often in the midst of the muck, people can't see it. They can't see what's happening inside of you. And yet when you get to the other side, those same people will say to you, there's something different. I can't quite (laughs) describe it like you look pretty much the same, maybe a little 
more clear in your skin and your energies a bit better, but like I can't, nothing tangible has changed. And yet they can recognize and feel the difference within you. Not that we should ever embark on any of this work for anyone else, but to simply hold that this work is important, but others may not be able to see the value of it until you have been through it. That it's important for us to fully own the sacredness of this work to be able to set up boundaries and to say, I'm not doing anything. Creating space. I'm gonna practice feeling emotions. And it sounds strange to say that, practice feeling emotions. And yet that's often what it feels like for me. Like, I don't know, like I can kind of begin to feel this wave of anger come back, come up within me. And then within a single breath, it's like a switch flips within me and it shuts off. So the first step for me has been to learn how to breathe and bring my full presence to my experience, my body and in my mind to not let that switch flip off, to let it stay on. And that once I allow that switch to stay on, the emotion to continue to roil through my body, the next step is then the external expression of this emotion. I'm always reminded of the experience of being in a women's group a few years ago. I was just at the beginning of my sober journey. My marriage was in a really hard place. I was very much struggling with postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety, and I was lost. So lost. The world as I knew it no longer felt comfortable. The places that I used to go, the people I used to spend time with, and even my own home no longer felt like a safe space. And I remember stumbling upon a listing for this group of women who gathered to learn indigenous teachings and that there was a a wise elder, a shaman, who led this group of women and each month they would gather and do some type of healing work. Sometimes it was simply a talk on our soul. Sometimes it was soul journeys and fire walks and sweat lodges and in one of these circles there was what they called the screaming circle. And we gathered out in the woods and all around the circle, women just 
let go. They drummed and they screamed and they danced. And in that moment, I was still so much in my head. I was still so much in my terror, in my conditioning, that I couldn't find a way to participate that felt comfortable. But for that hour and a half, I stood there in the woods, almost as still as a stick, just feeling this tension in my body. And at the end of the time, the woman came over and she placed her hand on my heart and she breathed deeply and deeply and deeply. And she gave me my heart work for that month and said, this is your work. Go home to your space and practice. Practice making noise. So that month I went home and at the time we lived out in the middle of nowhere on some acreage. And during the day, my husband would go to work and my son would go off to his program and I would come back to the house and I would stand out in the middle of the backfield every day at 9 a.m. and practice. And for the first few weeks, nothing came out. I would stand there in the middle of this field and just open my mouth to scream. And as soon as I did, I could feel my throat lock up. My chest tightened so tight I could barely breathe. My stomach would roil like I was going to throw up. And after a few minutes, I would give up. And I would go back inside and I would get back to the quote-unquote real life. And then one day, after showing up at 9 a.m. in that back pasture by myself, a noise came out. The tiniest little squeak. And as soon as that noise left my body, terror struck my soul. I immediately squirreled myself in pulling myself tight and looking around me, terrified that somebody had heard me. But of course, I was by myself in the pasture by my lonesome. But the terror was in my head alone. The next day I showed up. The next day I showed up. And each time... My throat got a little less tight. Until that next month, I went back to the gathering space and it was a drumming and circle that month. And I sat around this circle, huge bonfire in the center and the women drumming around me and I sang out loud. I didn't sing out loud alone. That next step is still to come. But there amongst this group of women, I was no longer a terrified stick. That I had breathed 
life into my soul and allowed my soul to express itself with noise in this world. And this is the process and the journey and the gift that I hadn't recognized how in so many ways over the past year and a half of not gathering with those women in that spaces and continuing to challenge myself to expand and to grow how my I had locked myself back into old patterns and coping behaviors and mechanisms. And that this experience of losing my child has broken me out of that fog, has broken me out of that pattern to be able to recognize that I had been living shallowly again. In this passage from the book from Elizabeth Lesser, she finishes it with saying that I had never seen anyone go to such lengths to keep the supposed secret secret of her humanness from the world. It took nearly dying for Karen finally to surrender her goal of perfection. So much of the resistance to allowing myself to feel these emotions is the story that I need to know how to handle them. If I knew how to handle them, if I had a plan, then I would feel more comfortable with allowing myself to feel. That when that emotions feel big and messy and they feel like they threaten my need for control, and that my control is the length to which I go to in order to feel safe. But safe isn't what I think that it means. That safe in that way means to be locked away and to become a shell of my true self. And it hasn't been my death that is awakening me to this, to these patterns. It is the death of my mother. It is the death of my cousins. It is the death of my grandmothers. It's the death of my son. I think particularly this death of my son because he was such an integral part of who I am that has truly broken me open in a way that feels radical in its finality, that there will be no going back to how things were before. There can be no return to life as it was. And that the bravest thing that we can do is to hold that boundary and to say, we are about to enter into the dark forest where there is no known, there are no plans, the path isn't clear, and yet, still I must enter. 
learning to feel, learning how to feel our feelings and emotions is gnarly and overwhelming and it is isolating. And it's that final piece that brings me here today to talk about this step on my journey. We take the isolation as a must, but in order to do this type of work, it requires us to do it alone. And I'd like to challenge that story for myself and for others and to ask, can we hold it within the energy of a yes and rather than an either or. Either we do this work and we do it alone or we don't do it at all is the story which we currently live our lives by in this modern society that we have. And instead, as heroic mothers, choose a yes and. Yes, I am committed to doing this work and it is necessary and needed for the sustainability and the success of this journey that I do not do it alone that none of us are alone. It is a true act of heroism, of bravery and courage to allow ourselves to be vulnerable and tender in a world that says those are weaknesses. The journey of a hero is of the evolution of an individual. But here together we are part of a revolution. We are a community of sacred sisters. And together we will transform this world. If this message speaks to you, if it resounds with some part of your soul, I would love to connect. You can send me a message over on Instagram at the heroic mama. I apologize. No, the at heroic mama revolution. I would love to be able to connect, to support each other, and to continue this work together in community. Thank you for being here with me. And I'll catch you on the next episode.